Welcome to the New Day Community Church Sermon Podcast. We hope you're encouraged by this message from the Kalamazoo, Michigan campus. For more info on the church, visit newdaycommunity.org. Called emoticons and how to deal with them. So we're going to be talking about different emotions and how, uh, as Christ followers, we should go about... um, Uh, dealing with and coping with and uh, walking into healthy uh, emotions. So that's going to be a great series, so I'm excited about kicking that off today. But to start, I wanted to, you know, just because some people are, you know, in in Vandalia, there is a guy who's like, Mark, I don't know what an emoticon is. And so so I just, in case there's anybody here, uh, I just have, you know, just a couple of emoticons here to help us. Does anybody recognize this one? It's a smiley face. So if Amber texts me this, I know that it is safe to come home. Um, so that's, that's good. Here's one. This is new to me. Anybody? Anybody? What, what, Lily? Yeah, it's a happy sunglass man. So, so, or a girl. Either way. What about this one? Right, right, right. Angry. If Amber texts this one, it's time to find a couple more things to do at work before heading home. <laughs> That's good stuff. Okay, so, um, and so in the evolution of emoticons, right, they moved from this to uh, what we call emojis. Um, and here, can anybody guess what this is? What? Love, note. Love note, exactly. What about this one? It's hard to see. Hothead. It could be hothead. Fireman. Fireman. Dave, did you get that one? You're, you're right on the cusp, though. Fireman. What, this is my favorite. Corn dog. Corn dog. And um, as, I, as I was looking, in, it, looking these up on the internet, because that's what I do, um, it's part of my job. It's part of, the, it's part of ministry. I ran into some funny stuff. Here's something that says, I peach you, and it says, I peach you too. Not a heart. Not a heart. That is a peach. And it says, it says good night, pumpkin. That is a tomato. <laughs> Uh, that's good stuff. Okay, anybody, can anybody tell me what this is? Is this coming through? Now this is a story all about how my life got flipped, turned upside down, and I'd like to take a minute, just sit right there, I'll tell you how I became the prince of a town called Bel Air. good. All right. All right. This has nothing to do with the series, um, but laughing is emotionally healthy, all right? That's what it has to do with this series. So today, in this whole month, uh, we're going to be talking about the importance of each one of us pursuing emotional health, right? If we want to live the full and abundant lives that God wants for us, we need to pursue this aspect of our humanity that is our emotions, in John 10.10, 10, hey, look, that's a, good, that's a good verse. My favorite verse, maybe. John 10.10 10 says that the thief comes to steal and to kill and to destroy, but I, Jesus says, Jesus says, I have come to give you life and life to the full. And this fullness of life that Jesus promised us is holistic, right? It includes every part of us. It includes our physical and our intellectual, hey, there it is. 
There it is. It includes our spiritual, our emotional, our physical, our intellectual, and our social aspects, right? And we want them, every aspect of who we are, to be holy and healthy. But so often we forget or we brush aside the importance of our emotional health, even as we focus on these other aspects of our humanity, right? And so even though we are a fast food culture, and I'm part of that, I eat a lot of, uh, not Big Macs so much, but I eat a quarter pounder, or when I'm like, you know what, I want to watch my calories, I'll get the two cheeseburger meal. It's 40 calories less, so, so probably, probably a good idea. And a Diet Coke. Just, um, so, so even though we, uh, we, we love this fast food culture, not Aaron, but other people, we love fast food, um, we extol and we know the importance of physical health, right? We, we talk about the importance of, of good eating, and it is highly valued, right? Um, and we also highly value and encourage intellectual pursuits, right? I am an absolute believer in the power and the significance of education, right? Helping us to, to create this ability to think critically about issues and to expand our understanding, to open ourselves up to other people's thoughts and opinions and ideas. And as Christ followers, as Christians, we value getting into the Word and doing Bible studies and memorizing it. Right? We value these intellectual pursuits. And part of our creation in the image of God is that we are created as social creatures. Right? And even the introverts among us, we need people in our lives to do life with, to, to encourage us and to love us and to support us. Right? And this, uh, the, the social aspect of our humanity is vital to Christianity. We see throughout the epistles that, that Paul encourages uh, the, these communities that are following Jesus to, to pull together and to, to not seek Christ individually, but to, to seek Christ corporately and to love one another and to encourage one another. Right? And that's why we have small groups, and that's why we try to gather together and have fellowship time on Sunday mornings. We value the social aspect of our humanity. And of course, the, the spiritual aspect is important. We, want, we were created to know and have relationship with a transcendent God. Right? There is something deep inside all of humanity that longs for something outside of ourselves. Right? And we long for God. And we, we, you know, it would not be hard to, you know, to uh, convince people that the spiritual aspect for Christians is important. But as we pursue wholeness and, and healing in these four areas, we often neglect the, the need for wholeness emotionally. And so that is why we are doing this series uh, this month, and that's why we are talking about it. We want to uh, communicate the importance of understanding our emotions and learning how to deal with them and learning how to have healthy, whole emotions. All right? And emotions uh, are, are sometimes kind of looked down on. Right? And kind of separated from the rest of life. We see them maybe as weak or, um, you know, less than our logic or our rationale. But um, the Bible, oops, got ahead of myself, the Bible is, is full of emotions, right? Jesus tells us that loving God and loving others is the greatest command, and that is an emotion, 
right? In, in the, the Psalms, we see David and other psalmists, we see them crying out in agony and in, in ecstasy and hope and doubt and fear and joy. All the emotions are poured out to God in the Psalms. And we see a God throughout the text of Scripture who is uh, motivated by love for his children. Right? He's motivated by compassion and love. But we also see that God is righteously jealous. We see that God is righteously angry. He is passionate. We see God is proud of his son. God has pride. He says, this is my son in whom I am well pleased. See, God is emotional. And in the, the rationalistic tradition following a long line of philosophers like Plato and Descartes and Darwin, there has been this argument that emotions and reason are two separate uh, systems, saying that the higher and better, more evolved person is controlled by reason and logic. And emotions in this view are best distractions and at worst animal passions that wage war against our better nature. Right? And so we, we see characters like Spock, right? This is kind of the, the epitome of this rationalistic tradition that we need to get rid of our emotions so that we can think clearly and concisely and logical about the things uh, that we are encountering. Right? And some theologians through histories have, have taken this viewpoint and placed it on God. Right, and taking his emotions merely as anthropomorphisms or downplaying his emotion as just some theological construct rather than something that you and I as Christ followers should pursue. And there's this, uh, this teaching or this belief that fact over feeling has been the correct process of spiritual formation for good Christ followers. Acting right and believing right is the sum total of growing spiritually and being transformed into God's unemotional image. But uh, more and more evidence shows that emotions are not these lower or base parts of, of humanity, but are based on thinking and judgment. A uh, neurological study uh, showed that, that people who lose emotional function also lose reason and logic. And there's a psychological studies have shown that emotions are high brain functions that give us windows to see thoughts and ideas. So more and more science uh, is showing that, that reason and emotions are not two separate things, but they're vitally important and they're interwoven together. There has to be a balance between the two of them. Right? And so we see other theologians like Aquinas and Edwards and Wesley agree that uh, cultivating particular emotions are central to the process of sanctification and spiritual formation. And uh, in this book that I read, there's, there's a quote that says, Emotional tendencies and dispositions are seen as an accurate gauge of spiritual growth, so that to grow more Christ-like is to actually feel more love for God and love for neighbor as the years pass by. Right? We want to grow in our emotional health, not push them down and try to get rational or purely logical. Of course, we, don't, we cannot and do not want our emotions to rule us, but they are built on and they, they flow out of our values and beliefs and thinkings. Right? Emotions and feelings that are opposed to the revelation of, of God's 
truth, we need to repent of those and be transformed through prayer and through the power of the Holy Spirit so that our emotions come into line with God's revelation. Right? And so that is why we think that emotions are valuable. And we see that uh, emotionally healthy people have all these great characteristics. They, uh, a sense of contentment, a zest for living, a sense of meaning and purpose, flexibility to learn things, a balance between work and play, rest and activity, the ability to build and maintain fulfilling relationships, self-confidence and high esteem. Right? And, and all humanity, all people want to have these things. Right? And, and, uh, but if we are ignoring the emotional aspect of our humanity, so often these bullet points or these ideas or these uh, uh, healthy things, they are missing from our lives because we are not paying attention to how we support and uh, cultivate these healthy feelings. Right? And so this is what part of what God wants for us. He wants, this is part of the fullness of life that Jesus promised us. But when we don't pursue emotional health, we are like a broken wheel, right? We, as, as this is the wheel of our life goes around and around, we are going to hit the, these, uh, this uh, emotional aspect of our humanity, and it is going to be painful, Right? And, and for me, uh, I have these emotions, and we're going to talk uh, about this pretty clearly here in a, in a moment. But as, th- as my life goes around and all of a sudden something starts poking at my emotional unhealth, man, my life gets difficult and I get angry or jealous or worried or fearful or doubtful or whatever. And so that is why we want to find wholeness and healing in every aspect of our our humanity. All right? All right. So we all have different emotional wounds. We all have different emotional needs. But for me, one of the big uh, things that I have tried to and continually work through is this feeling of inadequacy. And so my story is going to focus on that. But really, uh, you can insert any of your own emotional unhealth into, into this story, whether it's fear or doubt or worry or covetousness or whatever that is, you can insert that. But I'm just going to try to tell my story and try to show what walking out emotional health looks like for me, and hopefully that is helpful for you guys. And so for a long time, I tried to ignore my emotions and stuff them down and to ask God to even take them away. And I would rationalize or try to logic uh, away my emotions so that I could get over them. But none of this brought the feeling of healing and wholeness uh, to my feelings of inadequacy. Right? It just kept popping up. And so, before I start the story, let me say that my dad is fantastic. He is a very, very good man. Right? And he has always loved me at, as best as he could. But when I was little, uh, when I was in elementary school, my dad uh, moved out two different times. Um, And then eventually, uh, my mom and dad got divorced uh, after high school. And and I remember one of those times when my dad had moved out, I was sitting uh, on the couch at our house on Franklin Street, just just crying out, I want my daddy, I want my my daddy, right? even when, and he, would, he came back, but even when he wa- was home, like there was, there was a distance. 
And it felt like, you know, he would come home from work and there was, seemed like there was a, a wall of newspaper between me and my dad. Or, you know, as I, he would come home and I would be watching He-Man and he'd be like, all right, I'm using the TV now, right? Now we have the luxury. We have like 25 TVs in my house, so we can all watch something <laughs> different. Nobody has to interact. So good. Uh, so healthy. <laughs> Uh, anyway, so my dad would come home, and he'd kick me off. I couldn't watch He-Man, and he'd be watching the news. Uh, spent a lot of Saturdays watching sports. And, and I didn't realize, as a little person, like, man, he just worked really, really hard for long days, and so he was just trying to relax. But what I received was that he was too busy for me, that he had other, more important things to do. And, and so my dad was often emotionally absent, and at times, he was physically absent, and I longed for him, right? I longed for relationship with him. I longed to, to spend time with him. I wanted his acceptance. I wanted his love. I just wanted to be in his presence. But often, that presence was lacking. And so fast forward to adult Mark. I have a job. I'm married. I have my own home, the kids, and things are going really well, right? I uh, had been wandering away from Jesus uh, for, you know, my late teens, early 20s. I came back to Jesus. I'm, I'm a worship leader, right? I'm part of the leadership team. I was a deacon at that time. I even have a little trophy that says, world's best deacon. <laughs> uh, I should have brought that. That would have been great. Oh, uh, and, but inside of me, right, what, what drives me is not contentment, is not enjoyment of my life or my wife or my kids or my church. It is this yearning inside of me to answer this question. Am I good enough? You know, do people like me? Right? Am, I, am I valuable? Do I have a place here? And no matter what I do, no matter what position I get, no matter what words of affirmation I hear, it is never enough. And I still feel inadequate. I still feel like I don't have enough. I feel like I don't have what it takes. I feel like I'm right on the cusp of losing my position. All right, and so I try to stuff these emotions down. I try to ignore them and act like they're not there and move on because rationally, logically, I can go, this doesn't even make sense, right? This is not true. But, and from the outside, everything looks great, but inside, I'm yearning for a, a, a satisfaction and rest that is always just out of reach. I can't stop. I can't rest. I can't say no to anyone or anything because I need to prove that I'm valuable. I need to prove that I matter. And again, the logical me, the, the rational me, tells myself that this is not true, and I would try to stuff them or ignore them or ask God to, to remove them from me. Right? But as I try to answer this question, a question I just am, am screaming on the inside you know, to, to answer these questions, but I, I, I continue putting on a happy face, keep working, keep doing, right? keep trying to uh, strive and do a little more. Maybe if I just did a little more, maybe if I said yes to one more thing, maybe if I let that boundary kind of get a little bit bigger, then people will see how valuable I am, and then maybe I will realize that I am valuable, right? And so, and yet these questions continue to crop up. They continue to pop up. And I even get counseling, right? I get prayer ministry that is supposed to fix this kind of thing, right? 
It's <laughs> just, just, yeah. I repent of ungodly beliefs. I break curses. I speak the truth over myself. I ask God to show me how he feels about me. And it works for a little while. But the feelings come back. But why did they come back? It's supposed I broke that ungodly belief. Why is it still popping up weeks or months later? And I think that there's this, this idea that I had that every area of our well-being, every area of our wellness wheel that we look at, we see the importance of continual practice of the disciplines that allow us to stay healthy and effective in that aspect. Right? We cannot exercise once and say we're healthy. Right? I wish we could. That would make life so much easier, wouldn't it? Now, we cannot pray and worship one time, have an incredible encounter with the Holy Spirit, and say, we are now spiritual. This is great, right? And we can't close the last textbook of high school or of college and say, I am now learned. (laughs) Uh, We cannot uh, hang out with somebody one time and expect to have a growing and thriving relationship, right? I can't get married and then just go, well, that's it, and then you know, wave to Amber as, or just send emoticons back and forth. <laughs> we need to have relationship. We need to be consistently pursuing all these things if we want to have the joy of their fulfillment. But with our emotional health, we either never deal with it or we deal with it and then we move on assuming that it's fixed. But my hypothesis is that just like our our physical health begins to diminish as soon as we start eating those Big Macs and quit exercising, so does our emotional health diminish as we let go of the discipline of continually pursuing emotional health. Okay. Intro, done. (laughs) Okay. What will we cut? Who knows? We'll see. So we need to continually, consistently pursue emotional health. But how do we do this? How do we pursue emotional health? And so I've kind of laid out here my emotional unhealth. And as I look to answer those questions inside of me, right? Am I good enough? Do people like me? Am I valuable? Do I have a place? You know, and how have I tried to answer those questions historically? By working hard, by saying yes. And uh, fear, fearing, you know, setting healthy boundaries because I don't want people to think that I am lazy, right? And, and, or pursuing, being busy all the time to prove to myself, to prove to others, to prove to God how valuable I am. And what are the results of, of these actions? They tend to be jealousy and anger, rejoicing in other people's failures, despairing in other people's successes, feeling inadequate, feeling inferior. It seems that these things that I try over and over again, stuffing, ignoring, and rationalizing away my emotional unhealth, does not seem to work. So instead of this constant busyness or pushing down or stuffing these feelings doesn't bring any health, I need to stop trying to answer the questions through working and striving and turn to God. And let him answer the questions, not once and done, but as a lifestyle of posturing myself before God to allow him to speak into my life and to reorient myself to his truth. Excuse me. 
And in Luke chapter 10, we're going to get to the Bible. All you Bible people will be happy. There is Bible here. Um, so in, in Luke chapter 10, we see the story uh, of Mary and Martha. And Mary really models the correct posture of waiting before Jesus. Of taking time to rest from labor and busyness to receive what Jesus has. And so I'm just going to, to read this passage and then just talk about it a little bit. As Jesus and his disciples were on their way, he came to a village where a woman named Martha opened her home to him. She had a sister called Mary who sat at the Lord's feet listening to what he said. But Martha was distracted by all the preparations that had to be made. She came to him and asked, Lord, don't you care that my sister has left me to do the work by myself? Tell her to help me. Martha, Martha, the Lord answers. You are worried and upset about many things, but few things are needed, or indeed only one. Mary has chosen what is better, and it will not be taken from her. And so many of us have probably heard this story, and the, the people with my own uh, emotional unhealth, my own uh, woundings, say something like, what is Mary's problem? You've got to do something sometimes. You, like, who, you, who do you think's making dinner back here? You know? Like, this isn't going to make itself. You know, if I, was, if I came and hung out with Jesus right now, I'm going to be up till midnight doing dishes for you guys. Somebody's got to get this work done. Right? That's, that's my normal tendency when I read this, this story. Uh, but that doesn't seem to be what Jesus uh, wants to say. So we see Martha here opens her home to Jesus. Yet, and I'm kind of reading uh, between the lines here, so, so bear with me. Um, uh, there, it seems that Martha has some emotionally unhealthy things going on. All right? We can see that she doesn't seem to be content. She is missing that healthy work-rest balance. Right? Um, she has some interpersonal conflicts with her, her friend Mary. Where's her sister Mary? Is that what it is? Her sister Mary. Um, and she, maybe she has a lack of self-esteem. That is not in the text. That is, uh, I'm reading that in there. Don't tell my professors. Um, and maybe she is trying to prove herself to, to work for Jesus's or her own approval. Right? And so we see her, uh, her striving and working and being busy. And, and Jesus says that Martha is worried and upset about many things, but that Mary has chosen what is better. And so Mary has, has chosen to be in, in the presence of Jesus instead of being caught up in the distractions and the busyness of life and the work to be done. And as we look through the, the Gospel of Luke, there seems to be a theme of distraction that is woven through the, the Gospel narrative. Um, and, oh, I'm sorry, in the, the Gospel of, of Matthew. I'm switching, I'm switching Gospels now. All right, so in Matthew 13, the parable of the sower, it says, the seed falling among the thorns refers to someone who hears the word but the worries of this life and the deceitfulness of wealth choke the word, making it unfruitful. All right? And so we see that the, the, the seed is sown and it's supposed to bear fruit, but the distractions of world, the deceitfulness of wealth, you know, uh, uh, make it unfruitful. 
And then one chapter later, Peter is distracted by the wind and the waves. You know, Jesus says, come. And Peter gets out of the boat. He walks on the water. He comes towards Jesus. But when he sees the wind, he was afraid and begins to sink. He cries out, Lord, save me. And Jesus reaches his hand out and says, you have little faith. Why did you doubt? And then in, in Matthew 15, just uh, one chapter later, uh, Jesus is confronting the, the Pharisees because they are so distracted by their legalism and their, their laws and their, the traditions of, of the elders that they are, are missing what is good. In all these stories, we see that somebody is, is being distracted from the what is better, which is the presence of Jesus, and getting distracted by the busyness or the, the worries, the fears, the emotional unhealth of life. But Mary chose what was better. Mary chose to sit with Jesus. And I would never say that the good works are not important. They absolutely are, right? And, but there has to be a balance, right? There has to be a, a, a balance in understanding that taking up our cross does not mean that we no longer care about ourselves or care about our own needs, but that our focus is on Jesus, right? That our focus is living lives that model his life and his service, his sacrifice, his humility, and even his rest, right? We need to, to find a balance between rest and work, busyness, trying to prove ourselves that we are valuable and that we are important, and just resting in Jesus and allowing him to speak his truth into our hearts and into our minds. And I think that there's this idea, right, how many of us have gone to a healing and restoration meeting or gone to a, a counselor or talked to a friend to deal with an issue, and yet it comes rising back up. It comes back, and it, I, I don't want it to come back. I already dealt with this. What is going on here? But I think that we need to consistently and contemplatively bring our real emotions our inadequacy, our, our fear, our doubt, our worry, or whatever it is for you, and we need to bring that to Jesus. Not stuff it down as we try to work, uh, work our way out of these feelings. We need to do what David, the psalmist, did and bring our real and raw emotions to Jesus. He brings his anger, his fear, his worry, his doubt, these things that we try to mask over and pretend it's not there and put on a good face before Jesus in prayer, really? He can see the innermost depths of who we are. It is pointless to put a mask on when we're talking to Jesus. And so we need to take the reality of our feelings to Jesus. And so for me, I need to take time to sit with Jesus and let him tell me that, uh, that, or tell him, say, you know, Jesus, I am feeling inadequate. God, I am feeling like I don't measure up. And, and say, would you come and speak your truth into my heart to rightly orient myself because of Jesus' reality and his words, right? And instead of rationalizing away my feelings, I need to hear Jesus say, Mark, you are valuable. Mark, you are worthy. Mark, you are precious. And then from that place, I can rest in this truth and allow it to seep back into my heart and to continue to live out of that instead of working to measure up and living out of this lack and working, living out of this emotional unhealth. Right? 
We need to consistently and continually pursue Jesus and bring the reality of who we are, even our emotions and our feelings to him. Bear those openly before him and allow him to speak his truth to us. And so you can do this. I encourage you to consistently do that in your own prayer time. You know, don't let too much time go by. Don't, when you see yourself living out of an emotionally unhealthy place, or you see these things rising up, you see anger or, or bitterness or jealousy kind of pouring out, it's time to go back to Jesus and go, and my emotions are getting out of whack, and I need you to come and speak your truth to me. And, uh, and another thing, a, a step beyond that, I would encourage you to, we have the, the healing and restoration team. And they are people that Bill and Marilee ha, have trained uh, to help people to, uh, to pray through some of these emotionally unhealthy, difficult things that keep cropping up. Right? And so by going to healing and restoration, you can learn some tools and you can learn some strategies for overcoming these emotionally unhealthy feelings. Right? And that you can help your emotions to come into alignment with, with God's emotions. Because emotions are good, right? but we don't want them to be out of whack and leading us astray. Right? And so I encourage you, you can do that. Go and talk to somebody from the Healing and Restoration team. Talk to Bill and Marilee. They would love to get you scheduled. And you can learn a lot and you can grow a lot in those things and those tools you can take with you to your everyday life. But some people uh, may be saying that, you know, I feel like I'm bringing my stuff to God. You know, I've gone to Healing and Restoration, but it's not getting any better. You know, I'm so depressed, or I'm so anxious. You know, it feels like it's beyond me to do what you're saying to do, Mark. And so, in these cases, I encourage you, you know, to, to seek out more professional help, all right? Counseling can be incredibly helpful. And, you know, and that doesn't mean, you know, to go see a counselor doesn't mean you're broken. It doesn't mean you're bad, you know. And sometimes, you know, when we get sick, we go to a doctor. When we break a leg, we go to the doctor, right? Uh, when we want to continue on our intellectual pathway, we go back to school or we take a class, right? We look to professionals to help us to grow in all these other aspects of our humanity. And so in the same way, if there's emotional stuff that you just are having such a difficult time getting over, I encourage you, you know, to talk to somebody. Talk to a professional counselor. Talk to your pastor. And don't feel bad about doing that. Amen? Amen. Okay, so that is that. So I encourage you to uh, not let your unhealthy emotions rule you, but don't stuff them down and don't ignore them, but bring them to Jesus. And allow him to bring his healing touch in the emotional aspect of your life and bring healing so that you can find the, the healthy emotions and live your life out of that. Awesome. Amen. You guys can stand. We're just going to close in prayer this morning. Father God, we love you. God, we thank you that emotions are good and healthy. God, and we just thank you that you want us to be whole and healthy in our emotional uh, aspect as, long as, as well as all the other aspects of who we are, Father God. And so we just give that to you. God, all of our fear, we give you our doubt, our worry, our jealousy, our covetousness. God, we give you our feelings of inadequacy. And we just come to you and say, this is how we're really feeling, God. 
Would you come and bring your comfort and bring your truth? And God, I just pray that you would bless every person here, God, that you would help them in their quiet times to grow uh, in their emotional health as they invite you in and they look to you and they rest in your truth. In your name we pray. Amen.